Hey you, how's it going? My name is Ruby Price and you are listening to the 22nd episode of Fresh From The Scene. I hope you're having as good a Christmas as the pandemic will allow, and if you don't celebrate it, I hope you're at least having a good time, whatever it is that you're doing. This one is a bit of a long one, but that's just because I got my very good friend and previous music journalism student, Chaz Sharon, to come on and go through our top albums and songs of the year. There's links in the description if you want to follow either of us on social media, and be sure to let us know what your favourites of 2020 were. So without further ado, here we go with mine and Chaz's five best records and songs of the year. Listening to Fresh from the Scene with your host, Ruby Price. Welcome to Fresh from the Scene. Today's guest is my very good friend, Mr. Chaz Sharon. Hello, groovy people of the internet. Hello, groovy people of the internet. We are <laughs> not Jack very and Dean. Dan Howell. And that, oh, that's Jack and Dean. No, that was Dan Howell, wasn't it? No, Dan Howell was Hello Internet. Oh, um, yeah, no. Yeah, which that's is very, where I very get deep. the uh, salute from. <laughs> Hello, into anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hey Chaz, how you doing? It's uh, I'm good. It's very nice to be on this podcast that I listen to every week. Definitely for sure. I wish I made episodes every week for that to be true. I've given the game away now. <laughs> Self burn. That's rare. <laughs> but for those of you who are listening, uh, Chaz is a good friend. We met at uni doing music journalism. One of us finished that. <laughs> One one of us did finish, and one of us had the loveliest existential crisis and did not. Mm. But Chaz is Christ. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but <laughs> Chaz is very good with his music opinions. I tend to find, and we thought since it's the end of the year, um, we would give a roundup of our top five albums each of the year, and also some songs of the year as well, which also I think happens 20- to be a top five. Twenty twenty's been a tough year for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but I think we can all agree that we've all been inside a bit too long, but it's given us a, a, a good opportunity to listen to a lot of music this year. I tend to find, except if you're Ruby, who only had three albums of the year for <laughs> <laughs> my, problem I had to was, give her one. <laughs> basically my problem was like, I've listened to a lot of music this year, but I've listened to a lot of comfort music because I've been, it's, it's 2020. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I actually found that more when I, when it comes to movies, because mm. I, I tend to watch a lot of movies, but because I haven't been able to go to the cinema and there's not much going on on streaming that isn't that is brand new, apart from yeah. like the odd TV show and that, I've been just watching my old comfort blanket movies and TV shows. I don't know how many times I've watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine this year. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, feel, I feel like quite a lot of people have done that with music as well. Like I've t- I find my Spotify top wrapped is quite a lot of the, uh, a lot of stuff I've been listening to for the last... <laughs> 23 mm. years rather than all the new stuff this year so i actually struggled more than i did the last book past couple of years but i think i think i've hit on my top five songs and albums uh i think i think i'm pretty happy with mine and mm. i'm pretty happy with yours so <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, talk about I mean, it it makes a change um, <laughs> uh, usually there's not much overlap with mine and Chaz's music tastes like yeah when, when when we were at uni I think I think our, there wasn't much overlap in our music taste but there was an overlap in how much we defended our music tastes with our lives so at the time Ruby was pop punk and only pop punk and not and anything that isn't real pop punk isn't real pop punk I hate it <laughs> and I was very I hate pop punk and if it isn't rap music or heavy heavy metal I don't give a sh- shit I'm still allowed to swear on her. You are I'm cool. I'm allowed to swear. I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> I think I think I think because of that we used to have 
lovely debates all the time. Um, I think we've all calmed down a little bit. I'm okay to admit that I like a bit of pop punk. You're okay to admit that a bit of pop music is okay sometimes. <laughs> I just like music these days. Music is just good. As, yeah, exactly. Uh, as your old buddy Frank Turner would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if people are enjoying it, what's the harm? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so we're going to go with like a Chaz me, Chaz me kind of like system. Oh, um, I'm going first. Yeah, you are. You're my oh. guest. Oh. <laughs> cool. I will go first. <laughs> right. Okay. So are we doing albums or songs first? Uh, let's do albums. Albums first. Okay. So in at number five for me, I have uh, the wonderful Hayley Williams with Petals for Armour. It's a good album. It is a very good album, but I believe it's in your top five as well, a bit further down. So we will move on from mine and we'll talk about that a bit later. Yeah. So coming in at number five for me, as much as I didn't want to include it on this list, I've gone with <laughs> Young Dumb Thrills by McFly. So as discussed before, um, Ruby only really had three. So she struggled to fill the, the rest of them. You do like that record. So. <laughs> I do like the record, but it took me a long time to get into that record. And yeah. it's for me, it's, it's, a, it's an okay album, but it's not a top mm. five album, which is why I so much didn't want to put it on this list. But if it's got to be my top five records of the year, then I've got to include the five records I listened to this year. (laughs) In theory, you could have listened to the most trash album of the year at number five. If you've only listened to five records, if two of them are trash, then they're still going to make it in your top five because what else are you going to put in there? Mm. But I I do feel like there are some strong points on Young Dumb Thrills which make it like what I like. It has a couple of flashes of like you know classic McFly, but in a modern ra- in a modern setting. Um, yeah. But then it also has like, why have you done this? Um, <laughs> levels of McFly. That, yeah. Uh, I d- I don't know. See, I I really like. I I think I think it's well documented that I really like McFly and you really like McFly, and it's something we did agree on before. I don't know. I I'm not a huge fan of this record. I think the production is trash. Ash, but I understand why you like it. It did hit some nostalgic moments for me, and you're way more of a McFly fan than me. So, okay, number four, I've got um, a recent one. Actually, came out I think last month. It's uh, the album I've been spamming for about three or four weeks now. It's uh, Bring Me the Horizon with post-human survival horror. What a coincidence, Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that, Ruby? Because that's my number four as well. Oh, it's like it was planned. <laughs> it wasn't planned. Um, <laughs> no, um, with post-human survival horror, the reason I gravitated toward I've been such a big Bring With Horizon fan through every single stage of their career. So in 2004 and to about 2006, I was loving their deathcore stuff where they were shrieking their head off about um, praying for plagues and Stevie Wonder's eyes. And then, <laughs> and then after that, you know, their, their metalcore phase, uh, well into like 2010 sort of, I grew up with that. That's me. That was me, but at 2010 and then Sempaternal, I love that. And then that's the spirit. I thought that album was sort of teetering off a little bit it was falling off for me a little but it was still sort of peak bring me horizon like like it was they were keeping ahead of the trends like they were setting the trends but then a couple of years ago they released um ammo no. i don't know if you listened to that one i liked ammo you liked ammo okay i liked most I... of ammo i will say actually 
the reason I hated Ammo <laughs> was because it sounded like they'd just taken all of Linkin Park and sort of New Metal's shittest, craziest ideas and thrown them all on one track and went, there you go, there's a New Metal album. Uh, and it's just this band that, that I thought had been at the forefront of the sort of Kerrang! core alternative culture for so long have now just thrown it back to 2001 for absolutely no reason. And I hated that record. I just really, really didn't like it. It didn't click with me. I saw some hints on there of some good songwriting, but it just wasn't my thing. So I sort of fell off Bring Me The Horizon and they, they put out a couple of songs. I think um, Parasite Eve and Ludens from this new record, I think were the first singles they put out from it and I skipped them. I did not listen to them. When they came up in my, in my suggested, when they came up on my YouTube, I didn't listen to them because I didn't care. I had an off day and I thought, well, I'll just listen to the You Bring Me The Horizon because I have, I have been a fan in the past. Quite a big fan, in fact. I've seen them seven times um, across different tours. So I decided to give it a go and the first song you hear, Dear Diary, brutal, smacks you in the face. I'm like, oh my God, back to form. I'm just... <laughs> thrash it's it's got a sort of a thrashy element to it it kicks kicks you when you're down and and then it's sort of, as it as it as it goes along you sort of realize oh they're writing song for 2020 and and all a lot of the songs sort of 2020 mm. and and how we're living now like there's this particularly poignant moment in um parasite eve which is a song i skipped because it was one of the first songs they released from the album and it's when we forget the infection will we remember the lesson and i just think that's just so so 2020 like i think that that makes a point that a lot of people haven't made because this is going to end soon this is we're we're at the we're at a point now where maybe this time next year this will be like a really bad thing that we'll just be able to forget and move on but will we remember will we the, lessons? the lessons yeah we remember the lessons that we've 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 sort of had to have to go through cuz cuz a lot of these yeah it's the it's the ep of 2020 yeah i think yeah. i think in terms of um the 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 2020 uh, in the alternative culture and i'll get on to why i say in the alternative culture um i think this is the record that people will remember as being the most 2020 mm. and that's but, why it's my top four <laughs> yeah i completely agree with you as well like up to ammo like bring me the horizon were a band that you know they released something and it changed the rest of the scene you know Absolutely. If, you, if you look at you know sam paternal um when that came out metalcore in the uk changed you know absolutely all of a, all of a sudden it was getting radio one plays and stuff um, absolutely yeah which happened before but it wasn't it was you needed something very commercial whereas as much as sam paternal is a more commercial sound compared to previously um it's still very much metalcore at its heart I still remember where I heard um, Shadow Moses and Sleepwalking on BBC Radio One for the first time, and I really thought like the music industry is changing. Where music, because what was I? Um, 2013, so I, I would have been uh, 16. Shit, and I thought, old. well, the music industry is finally catching up with me. Like, <laughs> like I'm cool. Like I'm cool, and they're catching up with me. This is what I'm listening to, and this is what I want to hear on BBC Radio One. And I really, really, genuinely thought that. I, I, I was baffled by it because obviously BBC mm. Radio they had their they had their rock show on a Sunday night. They yeah. took it away on a Sunday night where everyone else had gone to bed because they got to go to sleep, got to go to sleep to wake up <laughs> Monday morning for the long grind. Um, they took it away then, but but you were hearing like Bring Me the Horizon and that and that sort of it. 
and then after that, that's the spirit, the one that came after um, Sempaternal. Sempaternal being my favourite Bring With Horizon record, by the way. Um, mm. so that's the spirit came out, and they were playing those songs as well. Now, they were a bit more radio-friendly. There was less screaming. Um, when Throne came out, that was just anthemic, and quite a lot of the songs on that record were just anthems. They were, and, and they were really good. Don't get me wrong, they were just really great. But it did open the door because yeah. then, like Don Broco, were getting radio play, and they were, they, but they were, they they'd stepped it up to a more to a more heavy place than they were doing before to to catch up with Bring the Horizon because Bring mm. Me were now playing radio friendly, but still sort of heavy sort of rock tunes. And, Stadium and it rock. seemed like yeah exactly and in sort of 2015 16 like it seemed like everyone else was playing catch up to this sort of anthemic radio one rock that they were making but it wasn't like the radio rock we were used to like yeah. biffy clyro was sort of the radio rock we were used to and they had to dumb their sound down to get to that point and now and now and now biffy clyro these days they're they're going back to that sort of sound because that's what was popular on the radio and it, they sort of turned everything on their heads and everyone was trying to catch up to bring the horizon. But yeah, no, they, they always did that. Um, mm. They were always doing that. Um, yeah. And then I think like the thing that made the difference, particularly with um, this post-human survival horror, uh, I read somewhere that Ollie Sykes heard um, like the Mick Gordon doom soundtrack, uh, like yeah. BFG division and stuff. And I don't know how he didn't already piece it together because I thought like, uh, to me, medicine sounds a bit like, you know, uh, doom. So it was kind of like, oh, this stuff kind of like sounds like the thing that we could be making. Mm. And I was like, one, I feel like you already are, but also anyway. Um, but then also like, you know, so then along came this EP. Um, mm. Like you, I also slept on it because I just kind of, I wasn't really looking for new Bring Me The Horizon music. I was just looking for music to listen to. Nova Twins were announced as supporting Enter Shikari. I started checking out Nova Twins. And then I saw that Nova Twins were on this EP. I was like, all right. Um, but then I still just, I, still, I slept on the EP. I heard Obey, fucking loved Obey. Um, mm-hmm. It's like one of the few occasions where I've thought Youngblood is tolerable. Post-Human Survival Horror admittedly got heard for the first time yesterday. Um, <laughs> but from the minute that I heard it, I knew that this was going on this list. From like, as I've- you say, Dear Diary, just punches you straight in the gut and then you're like yeah no this is this is a top five record of the year um whether you've listened to five records or 50 and it it, it grips you it really does because it's it's heavy when it needs to be it's it but it can be quiet and somber when it needs to be it makes points when it needs to it doesn't outstay its welcome the guests are always very welcome that nova twins Mm. feature is sick that baby metal feature yeah i was gonna say the baby metal (laughs) one kingslayer is such a tune (laughs) (laughs) just just because that's that's pretty much the heaviest moment on the record whenever ollie's doing his thing because he's 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 bringing it back to pray for plagues all the you know all the all the horrible guttural horrible circling the drain kind of vocals in certain points and sort sort of really weird guttural growl vocals which he He's never really, really done. Like it's, it's it, when he's doing it, his vocals are the heaviest thing on that record. And then all of a sudden, just Kingslayer, <laughs> <laughs> just you know, baby metal coming in doing their thing, and it works. It's ten out of ten. It's, it's not my favorite song on the record, but it is up there, ten out of ten. Um, but then, yeah, right at the end, um, that, that they've got a song that's uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's a really long track name, something about butterflies. It's sort of got a somber atmosphere for the rest of the album listing, where which which sort of hits you in the gut. Uh, I don't know. 
that that record, uh, I could talk about it all day. It is it is twenty twenty summed up by someone who's very 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 angry about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, Chaz, yeah. let's move on to your number three since that was both of our number fours. Yes, it was. It was. Um, num- my number three is an album that um, I only discovered because um, their lead singer was one of the actors from The Witcher, um, which came out earlier this year. Um, did you watch You watched The Witcher, didn't you? I watched The Witcher. I watched it twice, actually, and the second time round, I was less of a fan. Really? Really? Oh, no, I've only watched it once and I know that it was dumb and I, I know that people were comparing it to Lord of the Rings which made absolutely no sense. And Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, an incredibly just macho show about some random guy going around getting mixed up in people's problems. But I still enjoyed it because I have simple, simple tastes. One of my favourite things about that show is the character Yaskia, uh, played by Joey Beatty. Now... Obviously, everyone knows Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. And I listened to that song repeatedly for like a month. And on one of these particular listens, and I was listening to, um, it was on YouTube, and I was listening to Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. As a joke, very ironically, not very ironically, I just love <laughs> that song. Um, and and for, um, it just came up with a different song by Joey Beatty. I was a bit like, oh, okay. I didn't realize they'd done a whole soundtrack to this to this goddamn show, and they hadn't. Joey Beatty just happens to have uh, a folk a folk band, and this and this was in January. So the song I heard was called "The Horror in the Wild." Um, that was the name of the song, and then the, the band's name was "The Amazing Devil." Now I really liked it. Uh, it was really folky and atmospheric and strange. And then they released the album. I'd already listened to the album before because I quite liked it. So I listened to the new album because they had an album before that. It was it was lo-fi. It was all right. And then just it really clicked with me. It was so so good. It was it was it was folky, but it also it, it drove along like a rock song without having needing any like electric guitars or anything like that. Like the songwriting was exemplary <laughs> because it was all it was all like singer songwritery stuff with sort of that, the, the whole stigma that comes around that you sort of run out of ideas really quickly. It's white boy, acoustic guitar, that sort of, that sort of, and you sort of hear that and it's, it's awful, but it, it really moves like a rock song and he writes it, even though it at certain points with, with the, with the lute and the old sort of medievally sounding instrumentation, he really writes it like someone stream of consciousness diary, 2019. Like, it, it's very modern while also sounding very old and I really really appreciate that I, it, it's not a particularly well known record I think they've, they've got less than 20,000 listeners on, on Spotify um, and Joey Beatty's the most um, famous thing from that band anyone who maybe likes that sort of that sort of vibe like it, it really it was really really good I implore you to go and check it out mm. <laughs> there you go there's my number three yeah my number three took me by surprise, to be honest. It probably didn't okay. take you by surprise. but No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah. It's Wake Up Sunshine by All Time Low. Okay. And I haven't liked All Time Low for the last couple of years. As soon as I heard uh, Nothing Personal, I was like, yes, this is a band for me. You know, I think Nothing Personal, prior to this album, was their best album. You know, I liked all the stuff leading up through um, Don't Panic, particularly Don't Panic, It's Longer Now, when they chucked on a song with Vic Puentes and... It's probably a bit That's the, I was about to say, that is the last song by All Time Low I liked. I love Like What. 
is the song. Oh, Love Heart, Like War. Yeah. yeah. Hearts on Fire is like the, the catchy bit. The chorus. Yeah. yeah. Hearts on Fire tonight. Carry on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like when they did Future Hearts or whatever it was, I was like, this is, yeah, I bought it mostly because I needed something to play on a radio show. So when All Time Low did their last like round of stuff, I was like, I don't give a shit about this. I'm not going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then um, when they started doing the album campaign for Wake Up Sunshine, they released Some Kind of Disaster and Sleeping In. And I was like, mm-hmm. these feel a bit like All Time Low have gone more to their classic kind of roots. Like, I think they're on Fueled by Ramen now rather than hopeless records which might make a bit of a difference they just seem to be exploring what made all time low all time low in the first place by the time the album came out i'd seen all time low live for the first time in a very intimate venue i saw them in brudenell in leeds mm-hmm. um which was an, an experience in itself and they played some of the songs off that record off the new record um so i already had that to go by as a marker of like what the songs could sound like when i heard the album it instantly became in my opinion, the best all-time low record, just because it felt like if you were going to introduce all-time low to to anyone, this should be the record that you showed them. There's a lot of experimentation. They're bringing in like different things and they've just gone back to, you know, being a pop punk band. And I like that. So at my number two is um, an album that I feel didn't get enough love this year um, in the alternative sort of sphere. Uh, and that's um, Jenny Beth of uh, Savage's fame with her record To Love Is To Live. Now, um, with, with Jenny Beth, she was previously the, the lead singer of Savage's, who are a, quite a prolific um, post-punk band. Um, and Is that she's Savage's? Savage's, yeah. Savage's. <laughs> Savage's. Yes, um, she's French, so we have that in common. So obviously we're related. That's how it works. But uh, no, um, so she she sort of struck out this year by herself. Um, Savages haven't broken up or anything, and I'm a big fan of Savages. I think their record, their their sort of discography is some of the best that British post punk has to offer at the minute. It's great. It's really really good. Uh, I implore you to check out Savages if you've never heard of them. But Jenny Beth struck out this year by herself, and I was worried that um, she'd just make the same stuff that she'd been making with Savages previously. Yeah, sort of 80s and 90s infused sort of post-punk stuff. Um, And then I was pleasantly surprised when the first track I heard from her, uh, from the new record she was, it was called I'm the Man. And it was, it was weird. It was a, it was sort of a violent industrial sound rather than a post-punk sound. And I sort of forgot about it. It it lingered in the back of my, um, in the back of my playlist. And then it, it sort of span every now and then. And then the record came out and it was it was um, suggested to me on Spotify and I listened to a lot of records. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll throw it on. Uh, threw it on in the background and um, I was playing a video game at the time and I paused the video game for a particularly just stellar um, opening song. Stellar. I cannot remember the name of the song because for the life of me, I don't remember the names of songs. <laughs> but the first, just just the opening song, I was like, whoa, okay, this is what we're going for. And from there, like just just every song, just just violence, violence, just just anger and sex. It was so strange, like the way she melds sort of the sort of tension and 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 fragility and 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 just just she, there was still a weird sensualness in her music. It was really strange, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and I still can't to this day put my finger on why I find it so captivating. And it all comes to a head. It it. it 
just 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 it all leads to this this grand finale towards the back end of the album where every song builds just builds so much tension and uh i don't know um I, i've got one of her songs in my top five songs of the year and i will discuss in further detail why i think it's sort of the perfect um it opens and closes so perfectly um and i will explain that then so stick around because that's going to be interesting so speaking of sticking around one that we told you to stick around for is my number two and that would be petals for armor by Hayley williams Hooray! we five. finally got to it <laughs> finally got to it is it just me or does this album feel like it might have actually come out in 20 well at least it might have started in 2019 because it's this year has either gone on too long or mm-hmm. this album campaign just kind of felt a bit too short. <laughs> yeah, no, see with, with Pels for Armour, I, um, it feels like it's, it's been out years. Like it feels yeah. like an album I've been sitting with for ages. You know what I mean? I think it might've come down to the fact, you know, this album came out in three EPs. Um, and yeah. you know, the album carries on with that. Cause, um, if you listen to it on streaming platforms, it's got one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And those sections of five all feel like five, you know, specific like points of an album. Did you did you listen to them as EPs as they were coming out? I listened to the first one. No, I listened to the first two as EPs. After that, I waited for the album to come out properly for um, the last one because I'm more of a. Despite everything I've said in this entire in this entire episode of Fresh from the Scene, I am in my heart a records gal. Like I like to listen to albums as albums just not new ones apparently <laughs> yeah i had i had a sort of similar thing well i didn't really listen to it as eps i listened to the odd song of the eps that would that would pop up in my um, recommended playlist i would never listen to the eps um because i was i knew it coming out as an album and i didn't for some reason my brain didn't want to spoil the album for me i know that's ridiculous um but i i was listening to this i was listening to the, the singles and i thought there were some really solid singles one of them is going to be in my top five songs of the year um Same. But a different song. <laughs> but a different one, yeah. <laughs> they are both um, off the same EP. Place your bets they, now, which EP they are, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually listened to it as a record for the first time, as a, as a whole body of music, rather than three or four distinct three. EPs. Three. Yeah, I, I knew that. I just doubted myself. Um, <laughs> I listened to it as a whole body of work. And the thing is, is from first listen, maybe second listen, I realised that, it felt like these songs had been with me my whole life. Like they were so comfortable and they lived in my, in my subconscious so comfortably. It felt like I'd been listening to it for 20 odd years. Um, just, just it, that's, that's how strongly I felt about it. And I think a lot of that is the reason why it doesn't land. Cause it's my top, it's my five, number five of the mm. year. And I think the reason it doesn't land in that top three for me is because it feels like it didn't come out this year. Yeah. It feels like it came out maybe seven, eight years ago and it's an album I come back to, but it, it didn't, it came out this year. Yeah. I told my housemate that this album and particularly the song that's in like my top five was on my list. And he was like, but I thought it came out last year. I was like, no, it actually came out this year. It's crazy. I'm pretty sure some of the singles from that first EP did come out in 2019. Mine definitely did. My my the one that's in my top songs, mm. but I didn't listen to it until this year. Yeah. So I'm going to give myself a pass. I'm going to give myself a pass. You can have that pass, Chaz. <laughs> I I just remember thinking like when this came along, just like 
if Haley Williams has been able to do this this entire time, we've been treated properly. Like, yeah. you know, I I like Paramore. Um, ironically, my favorite Paramore album is the last Paramore album, After Laughter, which a lot of people tend not to like. I know people that think that that's the worst Paramore album. That, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, but basically, um, I just think that Haley Williams in and pop music particularly in this kind of like pop music that she's done for Petalsrama, it's the perfect mm. combination. It is great. I'm going to circle back to After Laughter now because that's really annoyed me. Yeah, it, <laughs> no, one th- no one should think that album is the worst because it summed up, it, 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 it was the first album um, of a series of albums that have definitely come out since it's come out. It, it, tr- it set a trend of albums with happy, upbeat music that don't have happy upbeat lyrics fake happy should reduce you to tears no matter yeah. what condition you listen to it in. I, I feel like it's a vibe that everyone can be in because everyone has been sort of outwardly happy on the outside so as not to um for lack of a better word offend other people's days you know to, so as not to to inconvenience people yes where you can you can sort of especially this whole generation of maybe maybe our generation and the generation under us where um where we we take we take the piss out of ourselves all the time and 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 depression as a whole generation comes as a joke an afterthought where where it's just kind of like haha look at how sad we all are um and it it becomes just part of our generational identity and i feel like that record tapped into that vibe so so well and i don't understand why anyone would hate that record for a start especially when their their self-titled record is definitely their worst record (laughs) the thing i love about hayley williams's new record is um it sort of builds on what i came to expect from after laughter where Mm. after laughter was sort of a a happy record with sort of sad lyrics if you know what i mean like it sort Mm. of really walked that tightrope it really it really it was in that balance. And I feel like this record does that, but not in a similar way. Um, like, I feel like on this record, the, the, the production for a start is absolutely stellar. It's, it's an amazingly produced record. No two songs sound the same. And the, the, the songwriting is incredible, but the way the production works is, is it everywhere you look in, in, in the mix, there's always something going on and it's not something we ever heard Hayley Williams do. Um, that's why it's so it's so amazing for Hayley Williams to strike out on her own because it doesn't sound like Paramore, but mm. yet it still catches that similar vibe where you, you look around and everything's hustling and bustling. You got you got something sliding away over here, and there's a guitar plugging away gently over here. And no matter how busy that mix gets, and no matter how 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 it crescendos, no matter how just how full that mix is. Hayley is still always in there and no matter how powerful her vocals are, she's always sounds fragile. She always sounds vulnerable. The way she wrote that album to be so lively and the production to be so all enveloping and, mm. and her, but yet it never gets too much. And she's always the focal point of that record without being the most powerful thing on that record. Yeah. That's why I think that record is amazing. <laughs> Here are some honourable mentions. The new Caribou record is amazing. Uh, the new Fortet record is amazing. Uh, JME, his new record is always good. Um, if you like uh, British um, rap music, um, not much different from him, but still great. 
the new Fever 333 EP is so good. I did enjoy the new Enter Shikari record. I only listened to it once, uh, hence why it's not in my top five. And I couldn't, in all good faith, put it on in my top five because I only listened to it once and I've never come back to it. But there you go. Those are my honourable mentions for albums this year. Yeah, We've already mentioned I struggled to put together five. However, I do like consider some for a similar reason. Like I only listened to them once or twice and I couldn't, again, in good faith, just be like, yeah, this is, you know... Um, so Reanimator by Everything Everything. Absolutely, that's another one of mine. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Um, and also uh, the Nova Twins album that came out this year. So those two albums are my honourable mentions. Because <laughs> they're also like Good. two of the only new records that I heard this year. Right, Chaz, what's your number one? My number one record, I think, is the album of 2020. And when I look back on 2020, it will be the album I remember. And that is the reason it is my top number one, is because it perfectly sums up how I feel and how a lot of people feel in 2020. And that's Charlie XCX's How I'm Feeling Now. Um, it's it's a hyperpop record, um, which is sort of um, this sort of subgenre that's coming out of... Um, of music right now um pop music with with really distorted bubblegum bass um and and really auto-tuned vocals i love it it's not everyone's cup of tea but um charlie xcx big name she came out uh 2013 uh, you will have heard her on iggy azalea <laughs> songs and and uh yeah she, she you know boom clap boom clap yeah she, she came through sort of 2015 ish um, with a whole new different direction, um, far less commercial. Um, and since then, she's been plugging away in the underground sort of pop sphere. And she's now like an industry darling. Everyone loves her. Her records are always revered by critics. Like, so they love her so much. Um, and up until this year, I mean, I really enjoyed her work, but this is the first album where I've really thought, you know, it's 10 out of 10. Um, and um, with with sort of how I'm feeling now, it was released in in sort of February, uh, not February, not February. No, when did we go into lockdown? March. March. So it was released in sort of April, May. I don't know. I should have really put more effort into researching. <laughs> um, it was sort of released in April, May, um, mid first lockdown, and she'd written it all during lockdown, uh, and it's an album about lockdown, uh, about how bored she was about how scared she was about this virus about how she really wanted to go out and live her life and um there are out there are parts on this record which are um so glad that her that her family is alive that she's still that she's able to keep doing what she's doing but there are points on there where she's terrified because she can't leave her house there are points where literally there's a song on there about her being bored and about what she wants to do when she leaves lockdown and it's um and it would all be because I think there's been a few a few records this year that have kind of tried hard to personally like summarize and categorize how we're feeling during lockdown, which is only normal because artists are people, <laughs> yeah. And they've been feeling the same emotions that everyone else has, and why wouldn't you write about that? Uh, but I think Charlie XCX and How I'm Feeling Now is the only record I've heard this year um, that came out during lockdown, was written during lockdown and perfectly encompasses how I was feeling during lockdown. Um, and for that, it is the album I will remember 2024 when in a four years time, we're all looking back and going, oh, 2020, that was a fucking shit year, wasn't it? Yeah, this is the album I will remember this for. 
um, a brilliant album that perfectly encapsulates 2020 for me. Ruby, your top, your number one. My number one, I guess for a very similar reason to what you were saying at the start of your, you know, reasons for the How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX, you know, this is the album that you'll remember 2020 by. It's Nothing Is True and Everything Is Possible by Inter Shikari. Not a lockdown album. However, it came out during lockdown and a lot of the songs on it felt like, you know, they could have potentially been twisted to, you know, represent lockdown. Um, There's a lot of, you know, existentialism going on in this thing. And I don't know about you lot, but I felt pretty existential this year. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I just think, you know, they've taken the spark, which I like, um, but they've gone, okay, so what if we times that, like, you know, by 100 in terms of, you know, messing about with songwriting? They've produced it themselves. Um, I believe Rao, like, worked very much on the entire production of the album. There's a random Kingdom Hearts soundtrack chucked in in Elegy for <laughs> Extinction, um, which, granted, I did listen to a lot when I was listening to it in the car, but mm-hmm. these days I will skip it if it comes on. But that's more because it's a, it's a song that you've kind of got to be in the mood for because, mm-hmm. you know, it's three and a half minutes of strings Kingdom and Hearts. stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, some of the songs on it are some of my songs of the year mm-hmm. until I hear them live. You know, I've just got to keep listening to it over and over again. It's one of those albums. I will say that when I listen to it, some certain songs on that record really hit peaks um, for me of Shikari songwriting, like some of the best peaks they can possibly reach. Um, Like Marionettes 1 and Marionettes 2 going into each other. Really, really good songs. Um, I think Dreamers Hotel is a pretty good song. Um, (laughs) Bye! Yeah. But no, um, as 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 a whole body of work, I've only listened to it once, so I yeah. I, I cannot comment on how fantastic it is. Yeah. But I did enjoy it at the time. <laughs> yeah, and as a Shikari fan as well, like the album itself is full of so much like little throwaway lines referring back to previous ones. Like um, in crossing the Rubicon, he mentioned something about labyrinths, and mm. the synth line from their song Labyrinth plays in the background, and it's like that's the kind of self-referential content that I want to be hearing in more music. It, it's been the album that I've listened to the most. You know, I got really involved in the, you know, hype train for the album. You know, the day that it was being released, I listened to their entire discography on Spotify um, from start to finish. That's a long finish. listen. That's a long listen. I was working on uni stuff at the time. and I needed background music. Oh, and and, and Shikari's background music, yes. Yes. But yeah, those are our top five records of the year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Top five. For this one, I've got a lot of honourable mentions compared to my records list, but I listened to a lot more songs and I did new albums this year. I think I did as well. I think a whole album has felt like an undertaking this year when we've all been feeling a lot of anxiety and I feel like songs have offered that that little bit less anxiety (laughs) than having to listen to an entire body of work. Um, so I've listened to a lot more songs this year as well, and I have a few more honourable mentions as well. <laughs> yeah. Shall we chuck the honourable mentions in now? Because then we can sure. just go one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, start, start off with what wasn't good enough. Okay. Yeah. So Chaz, hit me up with some honourable mentions for songs of the year for you. Here are my honourable mentions. We've got Sleaford Mods Second, which is an absolutely great banging post-punk song about why you come second to your car. Uh, JME, You Watch Me, 
fantastic song about celebrity culture and um, how we all just love celebrities. Um, then one that was a bit of a weird one for me, which is uh, Billy Talent's Reckless Paradise, which is not a song that I really thought would be in my honourable mentions. Are you laughing at me? Ruby's laughing in the background. I'm not laughing at you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would never do that, Jess. Um, but that's only because it has a killer riff and brings me back to sort of 13, 14 year old sort of when I was listening to Billy Talent and when Billy Talent was cool. But honestly, a killer riff, like a really good song. Um, then Caribou uh, have a new have a song that maybe came out last year, but I really only listened to this year. And that was Home, which is a really great song, um, sort of fuses that sort of um, 60s sort of R&B soul with some more tight dance production really good song and then um four tets teenage bird song who also has a great album this year um who i think i mentioned in my honorable mentions um teenage bird song uh is what been one that's constantly in my headphones because i've been doing a lot of walking this year during lockdown during our government mandated exercise periods <laughs> and it, it feels a lot like when i listen to it now it brings me a lot along on those on those long walking journeys where i'd just be looking at the trees and be in my thoughts and because the government allowed me to go for a walk thank you government overlords (laughs) yeah absolutely your honorable mentions ruby my honorable mentions in no particular order at all because it's honorable mentions uh obey bring me the horizon as i said it was the first song i heard off post humans of our horror animals by architects it's only a recent song so really i couldn't put it in top five because you know in two weeks, I might not even listen to it again. Next up, Castaway Angels by Leprous. Leprous, a band I only really got into at the tail end of last year. My next uh, honourable mention is a Fire by Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. It's actually an unreleased song from their reissue of Blossom, um, which is a 2015 album. But it just kind of sounds like if this is what they had in their back catalogue that they just forgot about, what else could Frank Carter have been able to do over these last five years? I love Blossom so much. <laughs> Blossom's a good album. Um, next up, Swallow by The Uses, a nice queer punk band. And then I'm going to give one last one, well, two last ones to things that I made the music videos for. Um, You're a Hero Kid by Mahatma Raindrop and The Silence by Skies Town Black. I spent a year working on the music video for The Silence and I spent two days working on the music video for You're a Hero Kid just because of completely different demands that were necessary. But working on them made me kind of like treat them as my own by the end mm-hmm. of it. And I feel like I would be cheap to not mention that. So go and check them out if you haven't already. Exactly. Watch the videos. <laughs> she put so much effort in. What are you doing here? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Please, please stay till the end. <laughs> yeah. Right, Chaz, let's get on with some songs. Some songs. Okay, so my number five. Uh, is shouldn't count really because it's actually um, two songs, uh, and that is from the Jenny Beth record "To Love Is to Live." Uh, she's got two songs back to back on there called "How Could You" and then the next song "French Countryside." Now, if I was actually grading songs this year on how much emotional impact they had on me um, upon first listen, this would be number one, um, and it is because "How Could You." is the most um, aggressive sounding song on the whole record on a song on an album that is already pretty, pretty overwhelming. Um, It's a song that builds it. It's a song that is, is rage. It's anger. It, it, it really is like, like overwhelming. It's, it's like a violent machine 
that devours the landscape. That's what it sounds like to me. It, it's 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 terrifying. To, to that's how the the emotional reaction it listed in me, um, and then it stops. Right, right where the climax is. There's no time for it to peak and then trough. It just peaks and stops, and then for 15 minutes you got just dead silence, and it feels like a time to breathe. It feels like time to to process. Um, and then the gentle pianos of, of the next song, um, French countryside start. And, um, and it feels like the landscape that was utterly devastated by the last song before, um, grow back and the landscape rebuilds and it's so cathartic. It feels a lot like how you feel, um, when you, when you have certain sort of dark episodes sort of a lot of us have had them this year especially with feeling isolated it feels like isolation for me and then and then recovery and that song feels so much like recovery and catharsis that it had listed such an emotional reaction in me um to the point where i can't listen to it very often anymore because it elicits such an emotional reaction out of me, just those songs back to back. And I, they're not one song. They are two songs individually on the album, but there is a 15 minute break between that point where, it, where it, that leads in and it feels like those songs are meant to live together. And I can't listen to that record very much anymore because of that moment on the album. But because of that emotional reaction, I couldn't not put it on my top five. And the only reason it's not higher up is because I can't listen to it very often. But, it's such such a powerful moment on that record, and um, I love it a lot. There you go. <laughs> my top five. Starting off my top five, we've got Destructobot by Raiders, um, the UK oh, we've Raiders. Changed the, we've changed the tone. <laughs> we have very much changed the tone. Uh, Sean Smith of Blackout fame, previously on this yep. podcast, actually, episode 10. I... Go and check it out. Really good guy. And this song just kind of like summarizes what this fucking government have done to like to the country for me. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a very moment. Well, there's a couple of moments in it where Sean Smith is screaming at the top of his lungs. Everything has turned to shit followed by fuck. Yeah. Because (laughs) we needed everything to turn to shit for us to see how bad it got. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's heavy. It's fucking relentless and it's just, a return to form for someone who, you know, lost his involvement in music many years ago. <laughs> Do you know what it sounds like to me? You remember, because obviously the blackout, they sort of, yeah. the band he was in before, he, they, they, they sort of, they span their wheels toward the end. Yeah. Where, where they sort of ran out of momentum. This feels like blackout before that happened. Mm. You know, blackout when they were the biggest post-hardcore band out of, out of Wales in 2007. That didn't have any nonce involvement. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the 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 back spinning teeth punching force that 2000 sort of six seven eight blackout were with mm. the with to use the Children word of the I, night I, best in town and all of that lot yeah 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 and uh spread legs not lies i love that song. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's meaty riffs it's 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 pummeling it's great uh post hardcore love it so much uh and i hadn't heard it before today, mm. before this morning at four o'clock in the morning. No, seven o'clock in the morning. My top, well, my number four is um, one that I have already mentioned. A punch um, to the face. A punch to the <laughs> face, indeed. By Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, mega punch to the face. No, it's uh, Dear Diary by Bring Me the Horizon. Um, the first track off um, post-human survival horror, um, which quite literally is the 
the opening. You know, it, it's less of a, it less eases you in gradually and uh, more throws you out of a window and onto some knives. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's just, just so because, because of ammo, like I will have mentioned this before. Um, I didn't enjoy ammo. I thought, um, I thought it was. I thought it was. It was just, just not, not the Bring of the Horizon I love. They threw it back too much, and then they brought this out, and it was. They'd still just gone back nostalgically to a point before, like because mm. they they'd been softening their sound for a while, and all of a sudden it was back. But it still, it still felt so. It didn't alive. feel like they'd gone backwards. It felt like they'd still gone forwards. But exactly, brought, like you know, things forward. Um, and I think I think that kind of it's such a great opening track because it's like, right, this is what we're doing now. And there's no, there's no, um, beating around the bush. There's no beating around the bush. It's not, it, it, it announces the, the EP It announces it so well. Like this is what we're doing now. This is our mission statement. This is how we're feeling. And it's just so good. And there's, there's a bit in it where he shouts at a dog mid verse 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) If every song had a bit of shouting at dogs, just, just right in the middle. Just he shouts at a dog. So good. Anyway, um, I've not explained that very well, but it it's a really, really good song, and it does beat beat you around the face. Mm. <laughs> I've got at number four, Backyard Bastards by Wargasm Brackets UK. That's two bands in a row for me that have been UK. Um, yes. Apparently, just they they need to start thinking up more original names. But yeah, because Backyard... they keep stealing names from America. <laughs> Wargasm were a band that I. I was aware of pre-2020, the guitarist and one of the vocalists in Wargasm was previously in Dead, who were a band that I saw just before they broke up. And when Sam Matlock announced that he was going to be starting this new project with uh, Irish model slash bassist slash singer uh, Milky Way, I, I don't know what her actual name is. I just know her as Milky Way. Like I was like, all right, cool. But then I never got around to listen to it. And then I heard... God of War, and it's new metal, it's riffy as fuck, and it's fantastic. And then this year, they released Backyard Bastards, and it honestly changed like my standards for songs of this year in terms of this kind of particular genre. It's got a great music video, it's heavy, and it's fucking just energetic as fuck. See, I hadn't listened to this song before. Um, what time did I message you? about 12 um, today about the yeah. time i woke up <laughs> so we're, we're recording this about half three and i think i listened to this song for the first time about midday and <laughs> and uh no i i the thing i like about it and bear in mind this is my favorite of your songs that you've picked because it's such a weird song for you yeah. when i knew you this was such a ruby was so pop punk at the time like, <laughs> but it's it's so the alternative music of 2020 it's it's just all encompassing for this sort of it doesn't stick to one genre no it's got that weird um sort of grimes-esque poppy-esque alt alternative pop intro like not pop music per se but that sort of industrial pop Mm. industrial sort of music sort of woven throughout that sort of grimes and poppy and they're sort of known for but then it's also mixed with this stellar new metal in it just just the best parts of like late 90s new metal i don't know it sounds like what music is trying to be in 2020 like the alternative sort of 
sphere of, of music that I, I don't listen to as much, but it sort of sounds like what that's trying to be, like trying so hard to be, and it feels like Wargasm have absolutely nailed it on this song. Chaz, yeah. let's move on to our number threes because we have the same artist. Oh, yeah. Again, it's almost like we planned this. <laughs> right, my number three is Hayley Williams with a song that definitely came out last year, but that I didn't really pay attention to till this year, and that's uh, Simmer. And, uh, and the, the reason I like this song is it's, a, it's, it's the best example for me of Hayley Williams' sort of weird off-kilter production where um, everything is happening at once. The way I explained Hayley Williams' record is everything I feel about this song is that it's the best example for me of her songwriting on this record. Um, it has drawn weird comparisons to Radiohead, this song. Yeah, the, the music just swells around her all the time. And um, she takes center stage in that record without sounding like she overpowers the instrumental for me. It's the best song from that. What is already a fantastic, fantastic record. I have Cinnamon, which which also came out on the first EP for Petals for Armor. For me, like the thing that set Cinnamon apart from, you know, the rest of that album is it's just so unusual. One, you've got like the drummer, like, you know, pulling the first beat and stuff like all the time. It's... yeah. It's it's groovy, but it doesn't feel like it should be groovy. I find that like of the first like of the singles that like were released from this album, Cinnamon was one that received a bit more of a split reaction. You either went, Oh, like this is this is too weird, or you went, This is <laughs> this is exactly what I'm after. And for me, Cinnamon was exactly what I was after from Hayley Williams. I can't I can't explain it any more than that. I think all my favourite songs from Pels for Armour are on that first EP. It's a bit of a front-loaded record, but it's still a great record. But um, yeah, so you got Cinnamon, Simmer, Creepin'. Creepin's mm. a great song. Leave It Alone, Sudden Desire. They're all... Sudden Desire! I love five, that song so much. absolute bangers. Absolute um, banger. I feel like anyone um, could legitimately argue that any of those five songs were their favourite. And I wouldn't have a problem with that because mm-hmm. Cinnamon is my favourite for a reason I can't even explain. Yeah. I, I, I feel exactly the same way. Just those those sort of five stellar tracks on that on that first EP, the first um, third of that record. Any of those, I would have absolutely no argument if you told me that Sudden Desire was your favourite song. I'd have absolutely no argument if you told me that Creepin' or that um, Cinnamon is uh, is your favorite song from that record. I would have no argument because mm. all of those songs are absolutely amazing. It just so happens for me. Simmer is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Number two, Chaz. Number two. Okay, we, we're sensing a bit of a theme here because my top five, <laughs> my top five albums, were uh, were by certain artists, and my top five songs are all by the same artists. So, number two is a song by the Amazing Devil. Again, Joey Beatty's uh, project. It's called Wild Blue Yonder. Um, it's one of my favorite songs. Uh, from that record and the reason it is so so it's, it sort of walks it walks a balance like i said before between that sort of um sort of traditional songwriting medieval kind of folk vibe with it being so modern in its in its eccentricity with it being so modern in its songwriting um and this song i feel is the best example of that with sort of that sort of traditional songwriting aspects of it but there is a moment where Literally all the song is about is how he just wants to stay in bed with this person that he loves a lot all day, but he does it in such a weird, eccentric, um, modern way um, to the point where in the end, 
one of the lines is literally like, um, we don't, we don't know what's outside of these covers. It could be robot vampires. And that's why we should stay under these covers. And I feel like that perfectly encapsulates the sort of modern sort of take on our, on relationships and, and, and love. And it, it feels, it feels very, very modern while also feeling properly traditionally singer songwritery at the same time. And they really, really walk that balance very well. And not only that, it's uh, my top, my second favorite song of the year because it is so uplifting <laughs> and it uh, it makes me feel happy and this year has been not a year full of Anything a lot but. of happy moments yeah it's been a lot of been a lot of negatives for a lot of people and um, everyone needs a little bit of um, a song that's going to pick you right up so my second favorite song of the year satellites band to shikari they finally gave us an lgbt anthem that like is also a rock song you know there's a lot like i remember i remember hearing or reading that um raul like wanted to write a song for his friends who were in the lgbt like scene and stuff who were who were scared to like you know be proud about themselves because the last five years have really taken a toll on feeling safe as a minority in the uk and that counts for people who are you know of a different race of a different sexual orientation, of a different gender identity. And, Absolutely. you know, having a song that can speak so much to you, despite coming from, you know, a cis white man, I think that says a lot. But it's not Raoul trying to be like, hey, I'm just trying to replace this song as like, you know, the gay anthem in your life. It's It feels like Raoul has written a song for you. Um, yeah. And it, if I was to get an Shikari tattoo, it would be something from satellites because it speaks so much to me as a bisexual trans woman other previous lgbt like anthems haven't said a word to me and also it's fun it's one of the it's probably my favorite song off um nothing is true and everything is possible and i can't wait to hear it live i hadn't heard that song in that context um and i'm, I'm gonna really revisit it in that yeah. context um that's that's great. Yeah, uh, like, there are lyrics like "I still drag the closet." I can't remember any of the fucking lyrics now that I'm trying to say. It. But like, there, there <laughs> you never are do lots when you're of, on the spot. Yeah, there are lots of like yeah. little like LGBT things like dotted throughout it, being like you know, it's it's there for people who hear it, um, but also you know, like people can just enjoy it as a popular into Shikari song. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, as a as a as a cis white man myself, um, I, I suppose it speaks to my privilege that I didn't I didn't really hear it in that context, and I've only listened to it once. So I will go back and re-listen and mm. reassess. And it fair enough. Um, for me, it was it was just a really good Shikari song. Um, yeah. it, in the same vein as sort of um, Redshift, where it sort of feels like they're aiming for the stars and they're achieving that sort of way that's that's the way it came across to me and i loved it for that reason but now i'm gonna go back reassess it's gonna be it. Mm. i can't wait to do that <laughs> <laughs> give me your number one. Oh, my number one song of the year is and this goes very well along with my number one record of the year because it is also by charlie xcx it is the opening song from how i'm feeling now it's called pink diamond and the reason the reason this song is my favorite song of the year because I could have I could have picked a great number of songs from that record because they're all amazing. Um, but Pink Diamond feels just so 
2020 <laughs> because there's there are other songs on that record that are that are about feeling cooped up like there's a song on that record called anthems and that's about feeling bored and the daily routine the daily grind of waking up in the morning to know that you're not going anywhere and watching the same terrible bbc news coverage eating cereal doing nothing right and and that's that's a song about wanting to leave the confines of of you know of lockdown yeah pink diamond is very much the same and it's less wordy and it has less of the message, but yet somehow it conveys it better. And that's all to do with how the song is performed because it's all, it's all in the music. The music is terrifying. <laughs> the music is, it's, it's in your ears. It's loud. It's abrasive. It, um, it, it really, it really hits on those anxiety factors. Um, and the, the, the lyrics are, uh, that there isn't that there isn't much substance to him, but what she is saying, you feel, you can feel it, you can feel the anger, you can feel her being cooped up. Um, just just lyrics like, uh, I just want to go real hard. I feel like a pink diamond in the dark. You know, just just I just really want to go out. I'm so fucking tired of being in lockdown, and it, that's the whole feeling I get from this song, and it's the feeling I was getting because. Um, because I I'd, I'd moved in with my mum again and we were doing nothing. It perfectly encapsulates the the irrational anger you feel at being cooped up. And and for that, I feel like this is the song that I will remember 2024. And it's the song that I feel perfectly encapsulates a lot of people's 2020. It's not overly complicated. It gets straight to the point. This is how I'm feeling, how I'm feeling now. And I want this to change. And that's why 2020, my favorite song of the year. So my favourite song of the year came out very recently, Kill the Silence, and it's all downhill from here. I Ooh. have been kind of in the background of this song for a while because it's been produced by Field and Audio, who is one of my housemates. My partner is in the band, which honestly makes it sound like I had some sort of bias towards this song. But No, I have, not at all. Uh, not, yeah, it, it really <laughs> it really does. But honestly, if I was to remove myself from all of that context, this song would still be my song of 2020 because it's all downhill from here. It perfectly describes the feelings that we've had during this you know, period. It, the lyrics were written during this lockdown period as well. So it's very you know, timely, but it also feels a bit timeless. It's very Frank Carter Gallo's um, like influence and it wears that on its sleeve. And I'm glad Absolutely. about that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's theatrical. And also, it doesn't hold back, you know, like, it. there's this nice, I say nice, there's this angry little rant about two-thirds of the way through um, where Jason, the singer, is just talking about all of the shit that's going on. The world keeps turning whilst fossil fuels are burning, you know. We've, we've, we keep trying to tackle climate change, but it's not going to be tackled because we keep doing the same old shit. Just sit back and enjoy the end of the world because you don't give a shit about what's going on, basically. I can't give the same, like, you know, levels of detail as you can for Charlie XCX. Um, probably because there's been less time with me for this song. That's fine. Plus, I like to chat shit and I chat yeah. so much shit. <laughs> <laughs> there is that too. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think 2020 needed a song like It's All Downhill From Here. And it needs more people to hear it's all downhill from here just to finally like, you know, make maybe people will hear it and think, Oh yeah, actually, you know, they've got something to say. And that's, you know, all I want from all I want from my music at the minute is for it to actually take note of what's going on around it and, you yeah. know, call out injustices or, you know, 
point out hypocrisy. No no one wants another song about going out and partying when none of us are allowed to go out and party. Yeah, it would be very tone deaf to do that. Yeah, I, I, I was maybe a little bit sceptical when you sent it to me, like, oh, maybe it's just because Ian's in it. But no, it is the most Ruby song I could possibly think of right now. Yeah. Uh, Frank Carr influence with an Enter Shikari style rant right in the middle. Very Ruby. And I can completely understand why it's your top song of the year. And I do agree. It does have yeah. a message to it that should be heard. And there should be more songs like it. And all applause to all. To Kill the Silence, I, I do think they've really smashed it with this song. It is a really good song. And can I just recommend to Ruby, like 10 out of 10 for her song choices this year, because um, not one song has she, has she put on her top five that I haven't then added to my <laughs> to, to my list this year. <laughs> that I haven't, I haven't not added to my Spotify playlists. So full, full, Full commendations to Ruby, and I don't do that very often. We often used to disagree about everything at uni, so 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, those are our lists. Um, if you're still listening to this, make sure that you send your you know, songs and albums of the year our way so that we can you know, maybe find some more things that we should have included on this list. I definitely should have listened to more records this year, but you know. Well, well I'll kick myself because someone will mention a song or a or an out, or an out. Um... Did Carly Rae Jepsen not release anything this year? <laughs> she did. Can't you see? Right. Okay. Carly Rae Jepsen released um, released a, a side B of her latest project, right, that came out last year. And if if you follow me on Instagram, Chaz underscore Sharon, Chaz C H E double Z. There's a link in the description. If you follow me on Instagram and click my reviews, you'll see my a little tiny review I put on there of it. And the thing is, when Carly Rae Jepsen releases a project, it's always stellar. It's always amazing. It's great pop music. But when she releases the B-sides, they're usually just as great. This year, they felt like B-sides. That's why it's not in my year-end list. Some of the songs are good. Some of the songs just feel like B-sides to me, and I don't understand why people love them as much as they do. But I still love Carly Rae Jepsen with all of my being. It, did she just happened to not be in my top five this year. Yeah. There you go. So, you know, uh, for those of you listening, go and, you know, check out Chaz. He has opinions. I have opinions. I don't share them very often. I only share them with Ruby. Thanks for coming on, Chaz. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. It's been nice. It has been nice. You're listening to Fresh From The Scene with Ruby Price. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed that, please do give it a share on social media and be sure to follow Chaz and myself on social media. As I said, links in the description. What were your favourite albums and songs of 2020? I'm genuinely curious to know because, as you've just heard, I didn't exactly listen to that many records in 2020, so maybe I should get off to a good start in 2021. I hope you're having a good end to the year. Merry Christmas. Thank you and goodbye.